my very first special guest today is Dr. Cheryl Gilson. She is an ICU nurse or an intensive care nurse um, for over 30 years. And she's an educator as well as an expert witness. Um, and as well as been my inspiration to getting into the health and wellness field and my desire to inspire personal growth and mindfulness in medicine. So we are always gonna get started uh, with something that I feel is extremely important and that's gratitude. So we're gonna start with gratitude, Mom. What are three things that you're grateful for? Well, let me start off first by saying I am so thankful I got my hair colored yesterday. Because the red color, first of all, gives me the energy to be able to sit here today. But three real things that I'm grateful for is, of course, my family. I am also grateful that I have the health to be able to perform my daily processes at my job. And I am very grateful that I'm able to promote the health and wellness to my family, my friends, and my coworkers. Great. I think those are uh, three amazing things to be grateful for. So tell us a little bit about yourself, personal story. What was your life like growing up? Well, I was the baby of three girls. My sisters, of course, hated that because I got away with murder. I was the one that could get the car. I had the phone. I had all the advantages that they never had. But I always, always wanted to be a nurse. I don't know why it was ever since the age of five years old, I tried making everything better. And I used to take care of animals, of people, my cousins, they'd come over, I wanted to take their temperature. Um, I found that I got caught doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing and inspecting, but it's something that I have always desired to be and to do since the age of five. So you were a caretaker since uh, a very young age? Very young age. Gotcha. Um, so what did you love to do as a child? Besides taking care of family, uh, animals and... Well, it was a little different back then. We didn't have the same type of um, advantages, so to speak. Um, I was, of course, into school. I was also a gymnast back then. Um, don't ask me to do anything to that extent at this point in my life. I wouldn't even be able to. I'm having enough trouble walking. But um, I was always into crafts. I liked to sew. Um, anything that I could do, uh, ceramics, any crafting was something that I enjoyed as well because it kept me grounded. Great, I think that's beautiful. Um, and where'd you grow up? Um, believe it or not, I know everybody that's listening to this thinks I'm from Brooklyn. I am not. I've only visited, especially when you were at school. Uh, I was born and raised in Miami Beach. My parents were from Europe and my sisters were born in New York. So if you ask, I grew up in Southern New York. <laughs> Great. And thank you everybody for joining. Just wanted to acknowledge all of you guys that are here watching and listening. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm gonna keep moving on. You said you had two sisters. Two sisters, uh -huh. yes. Um. <laughs> so it didn't matter what it was, 
I always had to have my hands in the pot to be able to cook, to clean, to sew, to do anything functional with my hands and be able to produce something and look at it in the end and say, I did that. Awesome. And what ended up inspiring you to become a nurse? Well, I, I guess I will go back to two people in my life. First, it was my father. He was a very structured man, had very high values. Um, he worked very hard in his life to succeed. And I think that's what I saw and admired most. And then, of course, the other person that grounded me was my sister, Sandy. She was always there when I was getting into trouble. She was always there telling me what's right and what's wrong and what I should not shouldn't be doing. And I acknowledge that my entire life. She has always been somebody that I could turn to. And she was always somebody that inspired me and said, you can do it. So that's how I became a nurse. Beautiful. And how did... Um how did your, your father's structure and, and I guess, strict attitude uh, influence that? Well, that's, that's who my whole being is, I guess, and maybe that's why people say I'm such a hard nose at things in life because I am structured. I expect things to go a certain way, and sometimes people say to me, you know, you need to be able to bend a little bit. And that's something that I've had issues with. And I know that my poor children have had to deal with that as they were growing up because I was um, very hard with them. I had to teach them their strengths. I had to help them overcome any weaknesses that they may have had and wanted them to understand and believe in themselves as well as the values that they put forth within their career. I can attest to that. That's very true. <laughs> um, and how did your sister Sandy help help you the most? She was always there. Both my sisters were always there, but my other sister was older, and I was a baby when my sister Edith was out of the house and married and starting her own family. So Sandy was always there for me, um, and any time I had questions. Having parents that were from Europe, they were never um, the type that would teach and answer questions all the time. So I always went to my sister. Um, so some of the things that motivated you throughout the process of becoming a nurse. Well, one thing is I'm a great communicator. I love to talk. Some people tell me it's enough's enough, shut up already. But I love to communicate, I love to talk, I love to teach um, while I'm doing that, whether it's technical or non-technical um, conversations with my patients, my patients' families, their significant others. And the other most important thing is the passion that I have to provide the care for my patients and their loved ones. And what, what motivated you as you were becoming a nurse? Seeing that my skill set was where I thought it would be motivated me to know that I was able to really fulfill the dream that I had to become a nurse. And what were some of the challenges you faced? 
Some of the challenges were I hated to study. I hated math, and math is a big part of nursing. You want me calculating your drugs properly and administering them properly. But another challenge was the fact that I started later in life, instead of doing it right out of school, having a newborn, being newly married, and having to deal with everything that was put forth to me. And how about some of the challenges when you were younger before you really got into nursing, like when you were in nursing school, because you said how, how different your parents' view of life was. So what were some of the challenges there? Well, when I told them that I wanted to go to nursing school and I wanted to go away to school, that was unheard of. You're not leaving home. There's no reason to go. You can go to school here. Um, they just did not believe that a career was important. Um, while I was growing up, it was you get married, you have children, you take care of a household. Um, but that was not for me. I, I dug my feet into the ground and said, absolutely not. So of course, many challenges came about when I needed to be in school all day. I also needed a car to be able to drive. And my parents said, well, you're gonna pay for a car. So the challenges were every, every roadblock that could possibly be put up was put up. But I said, I'm gonna overcome this. Nobody's gonna stop me. And that's where I dug my feet, like I said, into the ground. And I said, I'm going to do this. So I took it a step back. I didn't go to a four-year college first. I stayed home, went, got my two-year degree, and then went back to school. So it seems like you're saying that when things got a little more difficult, you kind of dug your feet a little deeper in? Oh, absolutely. And you used that as motivation? Absolutely. I said, the challenge is there. And that's what I love. Just give me a challenge and I will accomplish it. Great. And what's your favorite part of being a nurse today? The passion that I still have after so many years. Um, we all have challenges dealing with crises every day and dealing with other people's lives that are in crisis. But knowing that I can still keep a smile on my face, you never know what I'm thinking or saying under my breath, but nobody's gonna know that. I still keep the, the passion, the, the patient-centered care that we provide and I always will let my families and my patients know what's going on. That's the most important thing. Never do they have to question. And if they do, there's something that I did um, develop many, many years ago, um, which a lot of the nurses hated because I took pictures of all of my nurses that we work with. And I made a little booklet with blank pages in it and the staff was on the back so that the patients and the families knew who took care of them. And I don't know if anybody out there can, can agree with this, haha. Uh -huh. But when physicians start making rounds and coming into the rooms, you're always forgetting what you wanna to say to them. 
So I developed this little pamphlet that any questions that you may have, write it down so that as soon as they come in the room and they start yakking, you won't forget the things that you wanna know. So this was important to me as well as to the patients and the families because it's, oh, I forgot to ask the doctor that. Oh, he didn't tell me that. Oh, I need to know that. And it saves me time as well as the physicians and not having to make phone calls again after they leave. So one of your biggest, um, one of the biggest things for you in nursing is being organized. Well, I don't think I'm so organized as a person in general, but yes, I feel that um, doing and controlling the tasks that you have to do and bulking your, um, your tasks and the care that you give needs to be done instead of. Time management is extremely important in nursing and being able to control that. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, I can I can relate so how do you feel about medicine in general medicine is changing and has changed over the years um, today we have hospitals that have physicians working for them where years ago physicians had their own practice it would be never heard of that you would be a hospital employee. Um, focus today, there's so many challenges with different ads of hospitals saying that, you know, we provide this or we can provide that. The transparency is um, more adept today than it has been in the past. Um, I love the ads of five minute waiting in the ER. Well, I don't know of any ERs that can have only a five minute waiting unless there's nobody there. So I laugh when I hear some of these ads and these commercials that are out there, but this is where time has changed. You have nurses now that are increasing their technology and their skills with simulation. Um, we never had that. You were never able to work on a mannequin and put out a diagnosis and have a nurse try and treat a mannequin. And this is something that is very difficult because they, they don't know how to relate to the mannequin. Um, nursing also has changed in technology with computerized charting. I'm from the paper. I hate computerized charting. Everything has to be put on the computer. And of course, it has to be within the time frame of you caring for the patient, which for my kind of season type of nursing is I want to care for my patient first, not the appendage that's stuck to me. So you think that some of the newer technologies um, have helped um, in when it comes to training nurses? It has helped because I'd rather them kill the mannequin than a patient. But, um, you know, it, it really does help because you have the time to be able to um, have them think and not rush through things. Or if I want to change something on the mannequin because a nurse is not going down the right pathway, um, you can do that. But when it's somebody that really is breathing, has a heart rate, 
you know, it's very difficult where you want them to be able to learn from it, but yet you also do not want your patient to suffer. So it's very hard with our new nurses today to be able to allow them to um, have the time to be able to say, hold on, I know your heart rate's in the 40s, but give me five minutes to think about it. You can't do that today. Makes sense. Um, so you see there's a big discrepancy. So, so how, how is that compared to how you have to learn when you're in the hospital or starting in the hospital? Well, that's it. We, we learned by the patient. You know, we had nurses that were there that were seasoned nurses, um, which we don't have today. We don't really have seasoned nurses anymore because a lot of them have moved on, um, gone back to school, become, became nurse practitioners, have become CRNAs, gone into anesthesia um, because they don't want to be at the bedside. And it's very unfortunate. So we are um, now teaching our newer, your age group, um, to be able to care for the patients. And although their orientation process is longer, we um, don't care. We want them to be able to know what they need to know and be able to care for the patients. Um, we give them the autonomy, but yet we are there. So I don't want anybody out there to be fearful <laughs> and think that um, they're not educated enough. They are. They know what they're doing, and we would not allow them to be on their own until they are able to care for the patients on their own. So there are some seasoned nurses that are still there and teaching and, and helping some of the younger nurses just yes. starting out um, learn their craft. Yes, there are many. So in nursing and in the ICU, um, in your particular niche, what's the most pressing issue right now that you believe uh, is not getting the proper attention? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's not getting the proper attention. I think that times have changed, and uh, years ago we weren't, um, we didn't have the high cost in healthcare as we do today. And like I said, there is more transparency as to what is going on. Um, administration is more vocal. Uh, families, patients um, know more about the care that is provided. Um, when I was growing up and I went back to school, we didn't have Google, okay? We didn't have the internet. We had what was called the library. We had the encyclopedia. We had books that we had to use to find out the information. Now today you ask Siri a question and you get the response back. It's, it's so totally different today. And you didn't have holistic medicine as we do today. And I know that's something that is of your peak and interest, um, to be able to care for people um, and not use Western medicine. So it is an interest of yours. Uh, it is very hard for an elder like me to change my ways because I love antibiotics. It, it's something that I know works. I love Tylenol when you have a temperature, um, you know, but today there are other means out there to be able to deal with illnesses and sickness and prevention. 
So um, that is something that you are teaching me and I am semi-believing. It is very hard to teach an old dog new tricks, as they say, but I'm learning. I'm learning what it's like to take different steps and go down different avenues. Well, I just think there's different aspects of medicine. I mean, your particular niche of medicine, I mean, it's intensive care. So these are more emergency situations trying to really just maintain people or keeping people alive rather than helping them thrive and live the best life. I mean, that that's a different stage of their care. So um, all different aspects of medicine have their place. And um, I think what you're saying when the good use of antibiotics and certain drugs like Tylenol and things like that when it comes to the in intensive care unit is definitely appropriate. <laughs> so um, we're going to shift gears a little bit. What What is your, your personal feelings about the overall health of people in your experience in the United States? Well, today is a very bad situation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I really don't want to um, lean towards um, what is going on in the world today with COVID-19, but it does stem from where society um, does not, not everybody, but not, there's many people out there that um, do not properly care for themselves. Um, are not building their immune system the way it needs to be. Um, those that are stressed out um, don't realize what the stressors do to your immune system. And I have learned a lot about that going through what is happening in today's world because everybody is under stress, whether it's financial stress, family stress, um, just being stressed alone. Uh, people do not really uh, understand about dietary needs and how you know I was one that partied don't don't get me wrong when I was younger there you couldn't keep me out of a bar um, I drank I didn't drink to oblivion but of course I partied I partied hard and I knew what it was like but today knowing that makes me understand how partying hard is not where we need to be today because of the effects that it has on your body. And I know everybody out there is going, oh, shut up, don't even say that, you know. Little alcohol here and there is not gonna do any harm. But think about what's actually going on. Alcohol intake has gone up since COVID because of the stressors in life. So are we really dealing with the stress that our bodies are going through? Are we eating properly, okay? I'm not one to talk. You hate the diet that I'm on. Everybody, I have been on keto for over a year. He hates it. Um, he feels that that's not the right diet, but it's the only one that works for me. Um, but you've gotta eat healthy. You've gotta eat properly. You've gotta get your fruits and vegetables in. Um, less meat, for sure. Less red meat, for sure. Everybody has told everybody about that. Cardiovascular system red meat is not healthy for you. Um, animal meat is not healthy for you. So the minimal of intake that you can have on that. Um, I can't believe I just said that out loud with you sitting next to me, my vegan son. Um, but it is something that 
I am learning in my old age, so to speak, of what is right and what is wrong. So if there are those that are out there and believe in what I may be saying, you know, everything in moderation. That's, that's the way you have to live your life. You cannot go from one extreme to the next. Um, and I feel that moderation of whatever you want is what is good. And live your life the way you want to, but it's gotta be the right way, the healthy way. It, it sounds like you're trying to say that, that people should live a, a balanced life. Um, I mean, every once in a while, going out with friends and having a good time, and if you're gonna have a couple of drinks, that's great. But going out every weekend or every few days and getting completely trashed is probably not the, the smartest thing down the road. I mean, I'm sure most people watching this have had a, a hangover before, mm. but um, we don't really, when we're younger, we don't really think about the long-term effects. So. Um, it seems like what you're, you're saying is that in your experience it has been now as you've witnessed things over the years that those things do catch up to you. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I am a firm believer. I have seen too many people even at younger ages in their 30s and 40s because of the lifestyle that they have lived. Um, having a lot of health care issues, um, not only cardiovascular, but liver issues. Um, it's, it's very sad to see um, pancreatic issues, liver problems with um, society and what has happened, you know, and unfortunately with liver disease, people may or may not have had issues with alcohol, but that's your first thought process. It's unfortunate. You know, do you drink? How much have you had? You know, how often do you drink? But even if you do, I have to throw my tip in. Please don't drink and drive because then you'll be at the other end of the bed with me. And I don't want to see that. I've heard plenty of those stories throughout the year. So that kind of leads me into the, the next part, um, education. So what, what has been your role in education inside and outside of the hospital? Well, as I said, um, education has always been something that I have been interested in and um, building my own knowledge base. Uh, nursing is a 24-7 learning process because every patient that comes in the door is different. Everybody's makeup is different. So we're always learning something different about someone. Um, I have always loved to share my knowledge with other nurses and other people. Um, like my patients and families, I will sit there and I will answer to the best of my ability any questions that they may have. So with that, I, after, gosh, I don't know, 10 years of being bedside solely, I decided to take on the challenge of being the educator on my unit. Um, did not want to leave the bedside completely because I love being at the bedside. And if there's any nurses out there, they're probably thinking that I'm on drugs. Um, I'm not, I do love bedside nursing. Uh, I love caring for patients, but I also like to share and learn. And then when I became an adjunct at another university um, to teach, I took on the challenge of being able to teach the adult learner. And that is another 
avenue that I took that I just love. I love sharing. I love, I love watching the new nurses, their eyes light up when they realize and they have that aha moment. That's what you were talking about, you know? So it, it's something that I have always um, loved and love to share. Beautiful. And how long have you been an educator? I have been an educator my whole life. Okay. Professionally. Professionally speaking, I uh, took the challenge on in 2005. So we're in 20 now. It's been a long time. Okay. Um, where I not only educated at the bedside, but I took on the role as the educator in my unit. So uh, another aspect of you is that you are an expert witness um, yes. in nursing. And with laws and how the laws change and how the healthcare system changed, what has been your experience as an ex expert witness? My experience has um, been the challenge of documentation. Um, like I said that we have a appendage now and it was different when we were on paper. Nobody was watching, nobody knew when we actually sat down to document. But today, there's a lot of documentation that takes place besides the care of the patient. And I have learned the lack of documentation, not necessarily the lack of care because nurses wanna provide the care and don't wanna to have to go and keep documenting everything that they do because it takes a lot of time out of their day. So we have met a lot of challenges with that. Uh, I have taught a lot on legalities and documentation to try and teach the nurses, yes, the care of the patient comes first, but you also have to be proud of what you've done for the patient. Share, take credit for what you do. Document what you have done for the patient. So if God forbid something does happen in the end, your documentation will be there to save you and for somebody to know that you actually gave the care that you said you gave. I completely agree, I think it's very important. Um, in the work that you do, um, what are the moments that bring you the most fulfillment and joy? I would say when somebody, I'll use a trauma patient, comes in and no matter what the modality of the traumatic injury is, we say, oh, there's no way they're gonna make it. And with the care provided and the steps that we take and we see them changing, we see them turning the corner, we see them that they're going to survive. And I had that with a patient that was a motorcycle crash on 95, went off of 95, and they found him on the road down below. To make a long story short, because we don't have time for this, I took care of this young gentleman who was in his 30s for over a month. Every time I came into the hospital and into my unit, I cared for him. The amazing joy was that I could actually see him leave the ICU, 
go to the floor. And then what was even more fulfilling to me was that he came back every year and said thank you. That's, that's what nurses feel are the most fulfilling in their job. Yes, seeing patients survive, patients going home, but the fact that they remember you, the fact that you have a rapport with them, and the fact that they come back and say thank you. That's what's amazing. Gratitude at its finest, it seems like. So for all of you that are watching, we're gonna shift gears just a little bit, um, and we're gonna talk about mindfulness. Um, how would you say that you incorporate mindfulness into your daily life? Well, it just has to do with a lot of what I have said, which is my passion for care. Um, today, everything is evidence-based that you deal with with your practice. You want to provide that patient-centered care, and you also want to provide quality care. So in nursing, your mindfulness is what you're doing on the job to treat and do the best that you can do and provide the care that is needed for your patients. And outside of your personal practice, um, what's been your experience with and have you seen mindfulness being practiced readily in medicine? It's turning a corner. Um, years ago, you would never hear of mindfulness. It was always um, focus on the client as the patient, uh, provide the care that is needed, but unfortunately things have turned a little bit more where healthcare is changing. We um, are battling in healthcare for first place, so to speak, with um, who can provide the best care, whose aesthetics is better, whose cafeteria serves the better food. Um, there's so many different aspects in mindfulness and care. And there are physicians today that um, don't wanna worry about what insurance companies are going to, to do or pharmaceutical companies. They want their patients to have the best care. They want them to have the medication that they may need. They want their cancer patients to get the chemo that they need and be able to afford the medication that they need. So there's a lot of challenges out there today. Everybody has to produce. Everybody has to be able to make the money. And, you know, and the focus needs to be on health care and the care that's provided. The bottom dollar has to come second, not first. And that's my opinion. Well, that's what we're looking for. So, <laughs> um, what's something you would personally recommend to somebody that, uh, as to how they could start incorporating mindfulness into their life? Take hold of what's important understand what's important in your life as you have said to me numerous times don't sweat the small stuff 
know what is really important and then deal with it. Try and deal with stressors in a different manner and understand what's important in your life and stick with that. Great. So um, obviously your, your expertise is um, intensive care in nursing. Um, have the views and accepted beliefs around um, intensive care changed over the last decade? I wouldn't say the views have changed as much because in my facility, um, it doesn't matter what you are able to do as far as financial. So every patient is cared for no matter what your culture is, no matter where you come from. We're not looking at finances at that time because basically what we need to do is save your life and get you to the next phase. So, you know, I'm very proud in that respect that we are not holding back and that it deals with the life of the patient and the mission of what the hospital represents. And that's why I have been there for over 37 years. And in those 37 years, I'm sure there's been, you've seen a lot of changes, some of, some of which we discussed, um, but how have your views um, being in the ICU changed over the past, say, decade? Well, I can say when I first started in the ICU um, and I walked into a patient's room, I used to like freak internally a little bit when I would see what the patient was connected to, how many IVs they had, how many lines they had, the breathing apparatus, everything that was there. But today, I just look at it as that's what's going to save that patient's life. So, you know, you tend to focus more on the care that is provided, um, but you can't forget about the person that's in that bed. That is one thing that I have to remind a lot of our new nurses, is do not focus on the surrounding. Focus on your patient, look at your patient, and care for that patient. The, excess stuff around them is what you need to use when you're caring for them. So the care really has not focused differently. It's just after years, I know what to do. And when you're first starting out, it's like, if I do this, this will happen. If I do that, will this happen? And it's like a trial and error that you go through in your head when you're when you're really caring for that patient because you want to give the best that you can mm -hmm. um so your views are just purely patient focused and uh, the things that have happened and changed in medicine um how do you feel that they can continue to be improved upon while still focus keeping that focus on primarily patient care Where I work, in my area, um, I really don't see too much of a change 
other than now, we do have different fields of medicine that are caring for patients. And sometimes that will change my focus and I really may get a little aggravated sometimes because and not saying that the group that we have of secondary caregivers, we have physician's assistants now, we have nurse practitioners now, um, you know, and they are giving a lot of primary care today. And sometimes the seasoned nurses may or may not agree with some of the discussions that are being made. And of course, we will speak up and explain to me the rationale. So that's what's different because now I'm getting different viewpoints from different people, not just the nurse physician rapport. Now I'm dealing with other people and trying to find out why they're thinking the way they're thinking and whether or not I want to agree or disagree. And teach me more, teach me the whys you feel that way. So that's where healthcare, healthcare has changed today. There's more people involved in the care of the patient. And what, what do you do to influence this to keep moving in a, in a progressive manner? Other than talking to a variety of people and, and hearing what their opinions are and, and, and going from there, what, what do you personally do? Personally, I have to keep learning. I have to keep researching. I have to keep looking. And now that I have Google, it's even easier. Um, and I ask, still ask a lot of questions because although your human system truly hasn't changed, there are changes that happen to people's bodies. So I do need to learn. I need to stay up on the changes and ask a lot of questions to find out the whys and what fors in order to keep my knowledge at the bedside where it needs to be. And then I can then share that with my new nurses. Great. So obviously you see, um, you're, I mean, you're not directly in the ER, even though you, you have been in the ER, but you see a lot of people that have been in emergency situations and you see how things have been handled. Um, for anybody that might be watching that, um, God forbid, could MA ever find themselves um, in an emergency situation? What is um, one of the most common things that you find, uh, or common mistakes that you find happening? Um, and one thing that you'd advise, the number one thing you'd advise people to do in an emergency situation? We've discussed this. Uh, the most important thing is keep your head on straight. Um, don't don't lose control of yourself and or the situation. And it's hard. Um, I have a sister out there and I don't wanna mention which one, but I'll go back to when I was growing up. She could never handle anybody getting sick. And every time somebody did get sick, she'd pass out. And I remember a story when my mom wasn't feeling well and we had to call the doctor and my sister, of course, was the one that made the phone call. The next thing I knew, she hit her head on the table, passed out, and we were more worried about what was going on with her than we were 
with my mother. So really keep your head on straight. The stressors that you have, um, try and keep them bottled up because it won't help the situation. You know, when we, when we call people and say, you know, your loved one who just left the house five minutes ago has been involved in a crash, we try and talk them down. You know, if I have to stay on the phone while they're driving the car, just to keep them calm. And then don't lose it. Try not to lose it because we're there to help. We are part of the solution, not part of the problem. So attacking us is not what you need to do. Ask the questions, but stay calm. Stay as calm as possible. Be as nervous as you need to be, but stay as calm as possible so that you can deal with situations that are at hand. Not like what happened with you and your brother, okay? When the two of you were horsing around and your brother cannot stand the sight of blood, they freaked out, okay? It was great, but Seth being who Seth is was able to take control of the situation because he listened. He's part of who I am and was able to care for himself and literally steri-stripped his leg back into place, okay? So you've got to try and take control and decrease the stress and think first before you do anything. And that's the best information and that I can pass along. I think that's, uh, that's pretty good advice from an ICU nurse, so. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping things up a little bit. Um, if you could only share three things that people should start implementing in their lives immediately, right now, to improve their health, what would you, what would they do? Take on a challenge, stick with it, and do the best that you can do with it. Find a way of getting healthy and stick with that challenge and try and decrease the stress in your life and don't sweat the small stuff. Know what's important and what needs to be changed. I love those. I think that's great. Um, and, and our last question, what would you say is your personal and heartfelt meaning of mindfulness? My passion, my ability to communicate, and my ability to provide the care that is needed for anybody, for you, my family, my work family, my patients, and their families. So that's it. Straight from the ICU nurse, my mom, uh, Dr. Cheryl Gilson, um, passion is how you uh, can display mindfulness in her eyes and um, I completely agree with that. I, I think passion, we, we, once we, when we all find something we're passionate about, um, mindfulness just comes through naturally and that's part of what it all is. So, uh, I hope you all enjoyed this. Thank you everybody that came and watched. Um, I really appreciate you guys being here. Um, I'm, I welcome any and all comments, feedback, suggestions. Um, feel free to reach out to me. All my um, information is available on my profile. You can see my website is mindful.doctor. 
So that's right, it's www.mindful.doctor um, or you can just directly message me on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook, you can find my email, um, mindful.doctor, the number one, at gmail.com. And like I said, I'm, I welcome, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay, I just wanna end it with please be safe and be smart. I think that, that that's a, some, some great advice. Be, be safe and be smart. Um, so like I was saying, um, I welcome any and all comments, feedback, and suggestions. Um, I, I welcome your suggestions if there's something you wanna hear about, somebody you might wanna hear from. Um, I can definitely reach out to them. Please feel free and get in touch with me. I'm open to any and all suggestions. I really, really appreciate that. Um, and we're gonna be here every Saturday at noon. The next guest is going to be announced this coming week, so stay tuned uh, to my post for that. And like I said, I really appreciate y'all being here. Uh, much love, and remember, stay awesome, stay mindful. Have an awesome weekend.